It's so good to be here, and I get to be with my absolute, incredible, best friend in the whole wide world that I love more than anybody else except for Jesus. And uh, she just makes me look good when she's with me. Amen. Come on, oh, don't thanks, say that too buddy. enthusiastic. <laughs> and then, but, you know, we're just we're so excited to be here, babe. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you. And my name is Tracy. For those of you that don't know us or me, um, but Pastor Baba and I have been married for 35 years. I can't even believe that because I'm 35, right? Yeah. See, we were anorexic in that picture. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, wow, we were skinny. <laughs> so we're excited to share with you about marriage this morning. A lot of these principles you can share in any relationship. So this August will be 36 years we've been married. We have six amazing children that we love dearly. And now we have nine grandchildren. That is totally crazy. (laughs) So we met almost 40 years ago in Lindale, Texas at a Bible college. When I first saw him, he had hair down to here, parted down the middle, you know, that feathered look. And I thought he was good looking, but I thought he was crazy. So I'm like, I'll never marry a guy like that. (laughs) But here I am after getting to know him, I saw such the great heart that he had, the love for people, the love for Jesus. And I was like, that's a guy for me. Hmm. You know, so. the, you know, it's like, uh, I'll tell you how I noticed her a little later in the message. But, uh, you know, if you would go with me in your notes in Matthew, we're just going to get right into it. And it says in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, and it just says this, the Pharisees were intent on putting Jesus to the test with difficult questions. It sounds like a three-year-old. And uh, so they approached him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures about creation? Jesus replied, the creator made us male and female from the very beginning. And, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will live with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. From then on, they will no longer be two. And it says, but, but here's a good but in the Bible, but united is one. So what God unites, let no one divide. And let me make that very clear. That is the enemy's strategy, is to divide our marriages. If you think about God, he's three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they are perfectly united. And so the enemy's agenda is to bring destruction, and his strategy is division. He wants to destroy, and he wants to divide. That, that, That two would be divided because when you're one, you are a powerful voice. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two, 10,000. Logically, it would make sense that two, 2,000, but that's not the way it works. When we're one together in our marriage or in our relationships, there is so much power that we have. So his enemy, the enemy's purpose is to divide us. And, you know, it's like, you know, if you've been married a long time, there's children try to divide you by decisions they have to make, and they'll go to a mom or a dad. And we've always said we're going to be united front, you know. And uh, you know, not only in that, but in decisions we have to make, you know, with finances or our decisions down the road, with when we have to make just really hard decisions. And we've always stood together and try to be one in that. That doesn't mean that that uh, we've had we hadn't had long discussions. 
or we agreed on everything. But marriage is a picture of the church. And uh, what it is, is the Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for the church. And that's what a picture is. It's, it's two becoming one and that you learn to lay down your desires, your gifts, your abilities for the other. And so he wants to do it in the church. See, in Mark it says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. You know, today we, we want to identify things in our relationships that many times divide us, Tracy. For sure, because the enemy wants to divide us, like I said. And let me just say this. Just because we're pastors and we've been married for 35 years, we're human just like you. Don't think that we're perfect because we're not. You don't live in our home and you don't see the things that go on. And to believe that we're perfect, I know, would be... Uh, false representation. Just like if you have a doctor, doesn't mean that doctor doesn't get sick, right? Doctors get sick too. We, you know, just because they're a doctor doesn't mean they're they're in great health. And there's times that we've had to really, really fight for our marriage and to keep that division out. And so we want to just share some things with you today that can help you get rid of that division and fight for your marriage. And one of the things that will bring division in your notes, it says, unappreciated differences. We all have differences, right? But in marriage, if you don't appreciate and instead you despise the differences, the enemy has won. We've got to appreciate. Of course, we're different because we're men and women. But also, Pastor Bob and I have different gifts. I can't despise the gifts he has, and he can't despise the gifts that I have because we're totally two different people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, over the years, you can look at things that, you know, we are different. I mean, when we first got married, she was always cold, and I was hot. And the odor I've gotten, I'm hot and she's cold. Menopause, thank you. <laughs> and then, then you, know, we, you know, she wanted to save and I wanted to spend. Now that's changed. I want to save, and she wants to spend. And you know, and then for kids, you you look at your kids. One parent wants to spank, and the other wants to give grace. Right? Come on. And the other, and, and if you're united front, well, we brought them into the world. Let's just take them out. And, you know, but you know, and 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 and, and then there's a time where she wants to cuddle. And I want to be intimate. It's like the old, it's uh, like an old lady told me one time, she goes, Mad Bubba. She's the men's is all the same. They bark all day, but they meow at night, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and so what happens is, it's like, you know, for, for us, we're just different. And things change even as you're in marriage and over the years. And you become, you begin to take on some of their gifts, and they begin to take on some of your gifts, and it can complement one another. Because the truth is, you ever notice many times opposites (coughs) attract? But then after you get married, opposites attack. Mm. What do I mean by that? Some of the things that really attracted me to Pastor Baba is he was always the life of the party. He was very vibrant. He still is. You know, he can talk to anybody. I mean, we can go around the world. We can be in the Atlanta airport. And he'll find, hey, Tom. I'm like, how do you know this person? He knows people everywhere. And I love that about him because he loves people wherever he goes. But there's times in my marriage where I feel like, okay, you love to talk to people and you love people, but now you do all the talking and I never get to talk. (laughs) I just want to be listened to. And so we have to be careful that we don't take those good things about our spouse that attracted us to them, and then we begin to attack. Well, now I don't like that you, wherever we go, you don't talk to me, you talk to everybody. And so we have to guard our hearts from those things. Yeah, we were driving a couple months ago, and she looked at me, she goes, do you know how long you've been talking? And we were like in Scott, you know, or Doosan. She goes, 
From the time we left the house, you have not stopped talking. I haven't said one word. And I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> Talk. You know, and so, but the thing I love about Tracy, she's very orderly. Uh, she's, uh, she's a good organizer. You know, she has skills that, you know, perfectionism. And that sometimes, you know, I'm like, you know, how do you do things? I go, wherever the spirit's blowing, I'm going. <laughs> you know, that's my motto. And when she goes, yeah, but you got to make a plan. You got to set a time. You got to do it this way. You got to put your socks a certain way. And, you know, she doesn't do my drawers anymore. She just stacks it on there. But I, I've learned to organize things. I don't like looking for underwear in the in my t-shirt drawer, you know what I mean? And, and so she's brought order there. And it's like, you know, we, we, can, we can still be different, but we can still be united. So you, you know? can despise those things and mm. let them drive you crazy, or you can appreciate. I've learned through the years, I'm like, there was a shift in our marriage partway through where I'm like, wow, he has gifts I don't, and I have gifts he doesn't. If we would just put them together, rather than attacking the differences, we would be such a strong force for the kingdom of God. And so now we've learned to appreciate the differences in each other. Hmm. Well, the second thing that can bring division in your notes is unrelenting selfishness. You know, Philippians says it like this, don't be what? Selfish. Selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. And this is what it says. Look what it says. Be humble. Now, humble doesn't mean weird. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not humble. Humble is knowing who you are, the gifts God's given you, and then you, you're, you're, your power under control. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you're God's power under control. And says thinking of others is better than yourselves. It's, in other words, that you look at other people's needs. You know, when you're selfish, you just see your need. You know, it's like we were talking about cuddling and intimacy. Don't you see that I have a man got needs? You know, and then it's like, but I need to think about what does she need? What is, what is it that, you know, I learned that she wanted me to listen, so I had to learn to just shut up. And sometimes she'd go, I'd, I'd do this when I'd be listening. I'd go, <sighs> she goes, you're not listening, you're moaning. <laughs> You know, and I always think about Jesus learned obedience to the things in which he suffered. No, when I'm not thinking. But, you know, it's like I just like I've had to learn to control my body, you know, control my eyes instead of going, you know, my face. She goes, I can read you. You're so readable. And I'm like, so now I just go. Get my listening mode. Marriage and relationships are so simple. Don't be selfish. Mm. Don't be prideful. You can lead everything back to sin, really. Mm. You know, but sometimes people say, well, our marriage, is, there's no reconciliation. Yes, there is. If you would just repent of your selfishness, your pride. It's easy. We always want to look at them and see the things that they need to change. But we can really only look at ourselves and say, mm. God, what do I need to change? Until we stop t- pointing the finger and saying, mm. well, if you would do this, this, and this, and I'd be happy. It's not true. Because there's times Pastor Bob has changed <coughs> things, and I'm still not happy. And mm. then I had to face myself and go, it's something within me. That's God, that God's trying to change. One of, one of the famous lines she said to me about a year ago or something, she was telling me a need she had, so I was doing it. And I went to go do it, and, and, and I didn't see any change. I go, man, I've been doing what you said. She goes, I'm a woman. I can change. <laughs> well, that's not fair. <laughs> you know? But one of the things is he says right here, he says, don't look out only to your own interests, but take interest in others too. You see, you know, imagine, you know, I have five sons, and they've all had to borrow my car. 
or my truck. And you let them go out, and of course they get it dirty. They run out all the gas, you know, and then, and then, and then you try to confront them, and, you know, about, and he goes, hey, Dad, you know, uh, I, I can do, I can only do what I, you know, I only do what I want. It's, it's my car, you know, and I'm like, your car? I bought the freaking car. I'm like, you're thinking all these things. Come on, come on, dads, come on. You know, and it's like you're going, man, that dude's trying to full on, like, take me advantage of me, just like I took advantage of my dad. And so, you know, it's, it's not my car. And you can feel your blood pressure, you know, go up when they start saying certain things. And so he's a steward. He's not an owner. You understand me? Yesterday I was outside. I was coming back from somewhere. And, uh, I saw Luke in the driveway, and he was washing his car. And I go, dang, man, son, you're doing good, man. I like how you're taking care of your car. Yeah, then I found out he's going to see a girl, so he washed his car. <laughs> so he was had a motivation. So. But, you know, the Scripture says in Matthew, what, so what God unites, let no one divide. You're not the owner of your marriage. Hello. You know, you're a steward of your marriage. Marriage causes change. Come on. Yeah, you know, I like to tell people, I say, you look three years from now, that same guy that was all buff and everything, he used to be a, you know, a, a hunk, now he's a chunk, and he's carrying a diaper bag with a bottle. You, you know what I mean? There's change that takes place. Come on. And so what happens is it's not 50-50. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage, you know, if it's 50-50, that means divorce. It's 100%. It's me laying down my desires, my will, my circumstances, and, and blessing my wife. The greatest relationship that two people can have is just learning to serve one another. Just be a servant. Your spouse, you know, I mean, you said something about that. You know, like my, I had a guy ask my daughter. I have one daughter. And ask her out. And I said, the only one, the thing I want you to do is I want you to treat her like she's a daughter of God. Now, how do you treat a daughter of God? With respect. You know, and, and it's like, and I said, that's why I want you to treat her. And so, you know, that's the way I need to treat Tracy. You know, when we were dating, I, I can confess right now, we didn't mess around because we had the fear of God. And I knew that I wanted to honor her. And one day that if I travel the world, I could be in a hotel and she didn't have to worry that I'm some per- pervert kind of guy. Are you hearing me? And so what, what we did, we made a commitment. Now, after we got married, I mean, hey, we had a black and white call one channel, and there was other things we did. So anyway, you can go I think from what there. you're trying to say, babe, is that you need to start looking <coughs> at your spouse, this relationship. Mm-hmm. He's not my, just my spouse. He's God's child. Mm-hmm. He's God's son. I'm God's daughter. And when I begin to see him in that light, that whatever I do, the Bible says, whatever you do to the least of your brethren, you do it as unto God. Mm. So in the same way that I treat him is really how I'm treating God. And that puts a fear of God in me because I'm like, if I'm treating him disrespectfully, if I'm being selfish, if I'm being argumentative, that's how I'm treating God. I'm like, I I don't want that. Does that make sense? Everybody getting it? Okay, go ahead. And... There's two areas of selfishness in our marriage that we always have to think about is my needs. If I go into this marriage, just what about my needs? I need this. You're not doing this. I have all these needs. It's never going to work. It's like Pastor Baba said. It has to be 100% dying to my needs, laying down myself, and thinking about what he needs. Well, wonder if my needs aren't met. 
guess what? My needs should be being met through my Heavenly Father. And that's the problem with a lot of marriages and relationships is we look to them to meet the deepest needs of our soul. And no human being can ever do that. Mm. God is the only one that can love me the way I needed to be loved. The only one that can appreciate me. The Mm. only one that can... Listen to me and be there for me every single moment of the day. He can never fulfill all that. And in the same way, he can't expect me to do that. It's a burden too great. I cannot know all the needs that he has and meet him. Meet that. Only he has to find who he is in Christ and what Christ is to him. And so, you know, in in order to stand united, we just have to prioritize, you know, my spouse's needs, what her needs are and what my needs are and uh, see it that way and you know the most important thing for all of us in this room is that you know it's just to prioritize things and um you know one of the things that i saw my uncle he he got up at his 65th wedding anniversary and they go how did you and dolly stay married 65 years he goes it's easy two things we committed to first that we meant what we said when we walked down the aisle the second thing is we committed to ourselves we would never go to bed angry at each other. Now, we've stayed up for three days, but we've never gone to bed angry. <laughs> and so. well, that's, that's so true. So if you're, if you're constantly f- focused on your needs and the needs that aren't being met, it's going to bring division and you're mm-hmm. married. And the second thing is, is if um, area of selfishness can be our time. What about my time? My time. Um, I don't get any time for myself and so how often do you hear those phrases? You don't spend enough time with me. You don't spend enough time with the kids. You're always spending time with your friends and not me. We have to lay down the right to our time. Time is, let me just say, time is the currency of relationships. I had a guy come in. We were starting a church in Jennings, you know, right, right at the beginning. The guy comes in and he goes, man, my marriage is all jacked up, Pastor. How can you, can you help me? And I just like, well... First of all, I can't fix in two minutes what you've done in a lifetime. But the one thing I can tell you about marriage, marriage is like a bank account. The more you deposit into the marriage bank, the more you can withdraw. And so here's the thing. I see a lot of, parent, I see a lot of relationships that, that are overdrawn. They've just taken and taken and taken. For me, I mean, there are seasons in our marriage that you need to make deposits in your spouse. Let me just... I'll be honest with you. I mean, when it's come hunting season, I'm learning to make a lot of deposits. I'm trying to do what I can. She knows that. She goes, I know what he's doing. She can take advantage of me. And, uh, you know, but th- th- there's those times when, you know, instead of, because I, when I first got married, she, she would go like, you're going hunting again? She just wanted my time. And now she'll say, hey, you ain't been hunting in a couple of days. Why don't you go, why don't you call some of the guys and go hunting? And I go, come on. I feel, you know, instead of feeling all condemned and walking out the door, I feel like, come on, I can do this. You know, and so, you know, it's, it's that currency, you know, and God's created that. And what you need to learn to do is you need to learn to deposit God's currency in your love bank. Amen? And if you're dating, listen, the most important thing is practice what you're going to do when you get married. That's all dating is, is practicing. Because let me just tell you, if you're dating, you're on your best behavior. Come on. But when you get married, all that goes out the window. (laughs) If you saw weaknesses, multiply that by 30. That's what you're going to have to deal with. Come on. I love all the amens I have in here. (laughs) (coughs) 
But it's true. And it's if you can work on those things before you get married or as newlyweds, you know, you can work those things out and learn to talk and not get offended by them telling you their need. So many times I would like, she would just tell me what her need was. And I'm like, I was like, God, can't meet her needs, you know, and I would just get flustered. And then I'd get kind of mad and I'd just kind of, kind of just go and try to kind of just isolate. You know, and I learned that that's not that didn't help things. It's when I took the time and the strength she has. She's determined to get to find out the root of why we're doing things. And sometimes at the beginning of my marriage, I like we ain't getting the root. Let's eat the fruit, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, go ahead. That's really um, what what our third point is. What brings division is unresolved offenses, Mm. unresolved offenses. Now here, it doesn't say offenses, because there's going to be offenses in marriage. When you have two people living in the same house, even if you have a friendship, offenses are going to come, because we're all human. Like I said, none of us is perfect. There's only one perfect, and his name is Jesus. But what will bring division is when you don't want to resolve them. You have to talk about those things. You have to learn to ask for forgiveness. And um, you can't sweep those things under the carpet. How many of you have ever heard, time heals all wounds? You ever heard that phrase? Mm -hmm. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. Time doesn't heal it. Only Jesus does. Only forgiveness does. Only talking about it and saying, hey, you really hurt me when you said that. Or, hey, you've been hunting for two weeks, and that really makes me feel neglected. We have to talk about those things. You have to resolve them. Mm. And it takes time. It might be, there was times I remember sometimes we'd get in bed, and I was like, oh, there's things unresolved. And we would stay up till midnight Mm. until we finally found peace, and we finally both said, forgive me. I was being selfish. Forgive me. I was being disrespectful. Forgive me. Whatever it is that you've got to say. But you must resolve those conflicts, because they're going to come. Those offenses are going to come. Then love is in the room. <laughs> anyway, just, you know, and so, you know, it's like, um, like this morning, you got offended by. Well, uh, I'll just say, yeah, this morning I, I go, hey, the, you use the last filter? I don't know if I use the last filter. Then I started going on. A, well, you had to see it was the last one. You know, it was a little thing. He goes to the bathroom. Well, as soon as he came back, I'm like, man, I'm sorry, i, I I jumped at you. But here's the thing with offenses. You want to know how mature you are and how strong your marriage is? It's how quickly you deal with those fences. Mm. It's how quickly you do. It's not that they won't come, but it does it take you a year to go back and say, man, I'm sorry I did this. Does it take you a month, a week, a day, or just a few minutes like it did this morning? Immediately the Holy Spirit came because I knew I had kind of an attitude about it. It was stupid. It's a coffee filter. But the little foxes, the Bible said, spoil the, font, the vine, just the little things. Sometimes we think it's the big thing like a, an affair, and that can destroy a marriage. But most of the time it's those little things day after day that we don't deal with, and we don't just say, man, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have talked like that. that. You know, that was disrespectful. That was dumb. Forgive me. Kiss. Make up. And so it's not that they won't come. It's how quickly you deal with it when they come. Yeah, and... You know, it's like I've learned this marriage is being a professional forgiver and a professional say, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. Will you forgive me? 
Come on. And, and sometimes it's on a daily basis, <laughs> a weekly, a monthly. If you're not, you know, humbly asking forgiveness. And let me say this too. I've had to learn to not ask for forgiveness while I'm pointing the finger too. Without saying, well, I did that because you did this. Mm. True maturity just says, I did this. Forgive me. You know, we want to always blame and say, well, the reason I'm like this is because you're like that. No, that's not true. I have a free will, and the reason I am like this is because I chose a sinful response or I reacted like this. And so we have to take 100% responsibility for the reactions that we have. You know, the greater the, re- the, greater the relationship, the greater the in- intimacy is the greater that we can offend someone mm-hmm. and bring offenses. And so, I mean... The person that can hurt me the worst in the entire world is this person right here. And it's this with her, you know. And, and it's like, you know, it's like the most important thing. How do you get divided? The enemy starts in ways, and like Tracy said, with small things. And, you know, it's like husbands say something unintentional, and the wife gets offended. Or the wife says something unintentional, and, you know, the husband gets offended. And unmet expectations is the breeding ground of offenses in relationships. Think about that. Un, you know, uh, just you got to understand this. Expectations. How many have expectations? Come on. Everybody has expectations. But sometimes in marriage, that's where you just got to go, you know what? Like Tracy said, it was so good. I can't meet all her needs. She can't meet all my needs. You have to learn to put your expectations Mm. in God. Because God is the only one, like I was saying, that can meet all of those. Well, there's two things that we're going to talk about. There's two things. There's unrealistic expectations. We're expecting from people something only God can give. Hello. Only God can give certain things to us and what we need. You know, I, I think about, you know, it's like, you know, for guys, you know, it's like, well, you know, you know I, I love, I love when I, when I counsel people about to get married, and they go, man, they're perfect. I go, oh, are you going to see something? <laughs> they just, we never argue. I go, well, that's fixing the change, you know? I, I, I remember the first thing, that I, I mean, on our honeymoon, I remember we didn't fight on our honeymoon that much, but, uh, but I remember just doing <laughs> something stupid like the toilet seat. I left the toilet seat up because I'm a guy. You don't want to wee-wee all over the, you know, toilet seat. You wipe it up, you know, at least if your mama did good home training for you. You wipe it up. But I remember just leaving it up. And I remember she got up in the middle of the night, and I heard she went, Woo! (laughs) And she just gave me a lesson. She goes, hey, it wasn't like mean or anything. She goes, hey, when you go, that's fine. You can lift it up. But when you finish, please put the seat down. Okay, I got it, you know? (laughs) So some of them are just unrealistic. But the other thing, sometimes those needs are unspoken. For me, I was more of the unspoken. That sometimes we expect that spouse to see our needs and to know our needs, and they don't. They're a man, or he could say, you're a woman. I had no idea. You know, and I would get offended by little things like, oh, he never helps get up with the baby at night. He doesn't help with the dishes. He doesn't do this. But you know what? I didn't speak them sometimes. It was an unspoken expectation where if I had to learn to just go, baby, could you help with the dishes while I do the kids' baths? If you do, I'd really appreciate that. And maybe I'd be real nice to you later. <laughs> Those dishes were clean. So some of them are just unspoken, you know, because he, he would start to tell me, like, why don't you just ask? 
And there was a point in our marriage I thought, well, you should see. But the truth is, he didn't see. The truth is sometimes I didn't see his needs because I think different. I'm a different personality. I'm a woman. I'm not a man. And if you would just speak that in a respectful way, you know, I can either go after supper time. I remember when we had only three little boys at the time. I could either say, man, you never help with anything. The boys still need a bath. (coughs) The dishes still need to be done. And you're so selfish. I can say that. I can say, hey, babe, the dishes still need to be done and the boys still needed to be bathed. If you could do one of those, man, you would be my hero. See, it's a spoken thing. But one is in a respectful way, and one is in a disrespectful way. And so sometimes we just have to let our needs be known. Yeah, uh, offense is an event, but offended is a decision. Mm, That's true. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to say that again. You know, offense is an event, but but offended is a decision. And sometimes people can't get over the decisions they make because they're stubborn and they're selfish and they're thinking about themselves. And so here, if you don't learn how to deal with the little offenses, you, you will start building a fence. And that, what that means is it's not just Pink Floyd, you know, build another wall. That's what you're basically doing. You're putting another brick on the wall. You're building a fence around your heart, around your emotions, around your feelings. And what happens is, is this doesn't happen all at once. It happens, it takes time. And then sometimes when it takes time, people just explode. And they say things they shouldn't say. Come on. You know, I've seen guys, I mean, just stupid, say things about the way the wife looks. I can, before God and before my wife, I've never told her other than she looks awesome, good, beautiful, or anything else. Is that true? Sure. I've never go, you know, you need to pin a thing on their backside and says, wide load. I've said guys like that. I saw a guy one time, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm going to give my wife a birthday present. He gave her the video Buns of Steel. <laughs> I thought, I brought him into the bathroom at Don Seafood and I said, you're stupid. <laughs> you're stupid. How many of you have said things because you were offended that you wish you could put back in your mouth? Come on. Okay, just me. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm the, only, I'm the only one, you know, you can be, you know, it's like, you know, I'm the only one who takes out the trash around here. You know, uh, uh, why do I always get to do, why do I always get to deal with the baby? Why is she always complaining about the baby to me? All those things. And because what happens is, it's just like she said, it's like, it's, it's an unspoken expectation <coughs> that we walk with. And some of you right now actually have some hurts and things in your heart that you've built offenses around your life, and God's speaking to you by his Holy Spirit, even right now, that you need to knock down the walls. You need to knock down the fence. He's a good, good, Jesus is a carpenter. He knows how to fix fences that need to be broken. He knows, not fix them, but tear them down. And he knows how to build lives on the right foundation. And like Tracy said, when you build your marriage on relationship with him, you can't stay in a place of unforgiveness very long. You know, Matthew says it like this. So what God unites, let no one divide. As a husband, my responsibility is not to allow anything to divide this. Because guess what? When you have kids, sometimes, hey, I can go ask mama. Oh, really? Or I can go ask daddy. But we know that game. We know the game. And we'll go, she'll go, have you asked your dad yet? Dang, no. He's going to say no, but you say yes. Well, maybe we need to come together and see why there's a 
a feeling of no and why there's a feeling of yes, and we can come together. We've done that with our kids. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to come together. Now, what do you need? What do you want? Listen to them, and then we can come to a decision. Or sometimes we go, we'll get back with you in just a little bit. We're going to go back and talk about it. We don't need them to be in the middle of our conversation to divide us. Hello. None of y'all have ever experienced that. I know that. And so if you don't learn how to deal with your offenses, you'll find yourself isolated and imprisoned. You know, where, where, where did the love go? It flew out the window when you just built a, put another brick in the, in the wall there. You, 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 build, you build a fence and it just does that. See, Matthew says it like this. Listen to what it says. If you're presenting a gift before the altar in the temple, they're going to worship God, suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once. What does it say? Apologize. Remember, how many of you ever watched Happy Days when you were a kid? Remember the one thing Fonzie couldn't do? He couldn't say he was sorry. So I just thought, man, Fonzie's just proud, you know? And, and so I wanted someone bigger to come knock his block off. But anyway, but to apologize with one who is offended, then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. In other words, how can you say that you love God, but you hate your brother who you can see or you have an offense? That's what he's saying. If you have something, if you have ought or offense towards your brother, get that right. Hello? And and it's so true that you find yourself isolated because if I know that things aren't right here, it's hard for me to sit down with God and just go, oh, praise you, speak to me. It's, there's a block. Mm. There's something there that if we don't get things right with our fellow man, <coughs> then it's hard to talk to God. And many times, you know, you know go, well, I'm going to pray. God, change her. Get after that woman. She's wrong. She, show her. You know, and it's like, that's not what God wants. God wants to show you first. Come on. Because the Bible, I don't read the Bible. The Bible reads me. And one of the things when it reads me, it's, it's challenging me to make, be at, the Bible says, be at peace with all men. That means be at peace with my wife, too. Be at peace with my kids. Be at peace with uh, people. See, this isn't just a, a marriage thing. This is a relation, how you deal with relationships that you walk with with friends. I have a, my best friend. We've been walking together for 43 years. Don't think there hadn't been offenses along the way. Pastor Jacobs has been my pastor almost 40 years. That doesn't mean we've always agreed. It's like a marriage. There's times I go, you, no, we ain't doing that. No. And, he's, and he'll say, no, we're not doing it. And we've gotten in fights. The worst fight we ever got into was over Zach one time. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but we had to both walk in forgiveness. Are you hearing me? We're humans. We walk through things. We have rela- How do you know relationships are a mess sometimes? Go ahead. People are messy. <laughs> so if you're offended in a relationship, you've got to learn to drop it. What do you mean by drop it, Tracy? You know, those times you just want to go, remember when you did bringing up the past constantly. If it's been <coughs> forgiven, you've just sometimes you've just got to drop it and leave it alone. I don't mean deal with it later, but after you've talked about it, don't keep bringing it up over and over and over. Nobody wants to remind, be reminded that 10 years ago... You did such and such. When it's over, and once you've asked for that forgiveness, drop it. Just leave it alone. Because what the enemy wants you is to drive it and keep going after mm-hmm. it and after it. Sometimes you've just got to like, it's over. I've asked for forgiveness, and can we just go on? 
And you can't control what, 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 <clears throat> what was handed to you, but you can control what you do with what's handed to you. Are That's you hearing true. me? You can't <clears throat> control what's handed to you, but you can only control what you do with it and what your response is. Many times we're sinned against or someone offends us, but it's our responsibility how we respond to that. Mm. Do you choose a sinful response or do you choose a godly response? Mm. Sometimes reconciliation is just not possible. You have to agree to disagree, but release is always available. You can always just go, well, we don't agree, but I still love you. I still respect you, but we're just going to agree to disagree, right? Yeah, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free. In other words, finding out that the prisoner sometimes was you, (laughs) you know? And God wants uh, to release some of these things today in you. Thankfully, God has given us a way to deal with offenses. What is that, Pastor Bro? I love all the questions we get and how you have good questions in Crowley. Uh, you know, thankfully, God's given us a way to deal with offense. Someone who had every right to be offended, someone who had every right to hold against us, that man was Jesus. And he opened his arms, and what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, sometimes your worst day can be your best day. Think about that thief on the cross. It was his worst day, but it was his best day too. Because God forgave him. And for some of us, maybe you came in here and you go, man, my marriage, Pastor Bubba, Miss Tracy, my marriage is jacked up. If you were married to the woman I'm married to, Lord, if you were married to the man I'm married to, God, you'd pray in diver's tongues for us. Here's the thing. What God put together, the Bible says, let no one separate. Listen, over the years, I can say this. I've never used the word divorce, not once in my marriage to my wife. I'm going to divorce you. Now, I've thought about murder, but I've never thought about, I've never said divorce. It's the truth. And she's wanted to kill me a few times, I'm sure. But we've never picked up things and hit each other or, or things like that, you know. And we've done marriage counseling for people. And then sometimes when we do marriage counseling with people, you just go, we're dealing with someone right now. And we just go, they're both full on, they're so selfish. And they're so selfish, they're blind to their selfishness. And because they're blind, now they become bitter at one another. And because they're bitter, they can't, they can't see past their bitterness. If someone would just humble themselves in this thing, because the most mature person humble themselves first. They just will. There's times when we've gotten in arguments. I mean, I mean and, and I've just had to come. and, Baby, I'm sorry. I've been a jerk. I'm sorry. I haven't listened to you. I haven't. And Tracy's always pretty, she's pretty good. 90% of the time. I don't like the 10% when she's not, but she's mostly she'll just go I forgive you Baba and she'll do this forgive me for the way I responded to you that wasn't right either how I many you know when you you get hurt you kind of you want to lash out it's kind of like the dog that's been slapped he wants to bite back right and that's how we are sometimes I thank God that our worst day can be our best day And God's here for every one of us. Father, I thank you for every marriage that's represented here. 
thank you for this opportunity that Tracy and I've had just to be able to minister your truth, your word, and just share principles that we've learned. We're still learning. God, we haven't arrived, but after 35 years, we're different than we used to be. I thank you. I thank you for every marriage here as they've walked through difficult moments and seasons in their journey, walking together, that God, you've been with them. Maybe there are those here that they know that they need to just ask for forgiveness and just start new, not bring up the past, but just have an expectation for the future, what you can do in them and through them and with them. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Look at me, and I'm going to finish with this. If you're here this morning, I'm just going to do this. And you just want to renew your vow. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. That you can look at your mate in the eye and just go, today. Let's just make a stand to renew our vow. Let's make a stand to, we're not going to allow offenses to get in the way. And maybe you're just going to stand and go, that sounds good. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And some of you, can I just say this? A pastor, you, want, you know what you want more in your people than anything? That we got two lovebirds coming to see you. God, they make me sick. They're so in love. Look at her. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have a hard time keeping my hands off of her. I'm a feeler. Touch, that's how I'm a, touch means a lot to me. And I look at myself 20 years from now. Because by the way, I did have a good report last time. I'll tell you at the end. I'm going to grab her booty as long as I'm alive. I remember when, when the boys, when Zach and Andrew and Matt were little, and I'd, we'd get in the kitchen, I'd just start making out with her. Tuck, you know, and, and they go, oh, you're sick. I go, one day I hope you're as sick as I am for your wife. And Zach did. He took that word seriously. <laughs> you know? So if you're here this morning, you go, you know, Pastor Bob, I want to do that. Why don't you just stand up real quick? Just stand up real quick. Stand up. In the first service, we had people, they just stood up and go, hey, we're going to do it. If you're married, you need to do it. If your mate's not here, that's okay. Tell them, give them the notes. Look at each other right now. Because my desire is that that sparkle that you started out with in your marriage, just be revival in your marriage. The hardest thing as a pastor is seeing someone was so in love and then they want a divorce and they just can't stand each other. But I love it when I see people that have been married for years and they still got that sparkle in their eyes. Just say this with me. I take you again today. You're my choice in sickness and in health until love, until death. I'm with you. I'm your fan. I believe in you. We've walked through some things. 